This morning, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, contains our Lord's perfect teaching. The sermon reveals practical things that you and I must do to be authentic disciples. And when we think about being authentic, we think about something that is true, something that is genuine. In a world that we live when there's so much fakeness, if you will, to find a genuine disciple, a true purebred Christian, But our Lord presents those things in that sermon. The importance this morning of genuine discipleship is emphasized in our scripture. Being authentic, being genuine, true, blue, cut through the chase, where the rubber meets the road in Matthew chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14. As was read just a moment ago, it was revealed to us through God's word this morning that there are only two paths that a person can be on. The Lord says in this scripture that you this morning, including myself, we are either on one path or the other. There's no in-between. There's no in-between paths. There's no median, if you will. This morning, every person within the sound of my voice has chosen a path to be on. And you're following that path. You see, life's about paths. And you're on a path. And as you continue in life, you're going to continue to choose and make choices to be on one path or the other in whatever aspect or realm that you may be talking about. But this morning we're talking about the spiritual path. What path are you on this morning? This morning I want us to consider four things about these paths. And the first thing this morning that I want us to think about, that the time that we have together, and let me make this loud and clear, everyone is not on the same path. There has to be a choice. We are not on the same spiritual way in the world. Let me suggest to you this morning that there is only one path. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No no man comes to the Father but except by me. 
the truth shall set you free. John 8. You see, some people this morning, as we've read in our scripture, notice the scripture again, and I have a note in my Bible here that says, this is the saddest scripture in the Bible. I want you to listen to it as I read this to you. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate. And broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Did you hear that? Wide is the way, or broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction. And here's the real sad, the saddest part. And many, and many, there be which go in thereat. Many people are on the path of destruction. Verse 14 goes on to say, Because straight or for narrow is the gate, and narrow or straightened is the way which leadeth unto life. And here's the sad part about that. And the few there be that find it. Just a few. A few means little, doesn't it? Not as many. Some people choose to take the broad path in life, while others take the narrow path. And let me tell you in our scripture this morning that when you see the word broad in this scripture, that path refers to hell. That terrible place called hell. And the narrow path refers to heaven. Now this morning, each and every one of us is on one of those two paths. Go with me in your Bibles to the book of, and, and turn on over in the book of Matthew and chapter 25. <coughs> and let me describe those paths to you. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41 reads to us and says, Then he, or then shall he say, also unto them on the left hand, now imagine a judgment scene. And your God is standing before you. And you are to His left. And He's speaking to you as a group of people. And what the Scripture says, it will be a large group of people. Many are on the broad path. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, watch it right here, depart from me. Folks, you know what that means? That means get away from me. Can you imagine God at some point saying, go away from me? I don't want you with me. Now this is a very real and surreal 
topic and situation. But now notice what he goes on to say. He says, those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into what? Everlasting fire. You know what that's referring to? Hell. And notice who your company is going to be. A place that is prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, this morning you're on one or two of paths. This path that, that we're talking about here in, in Matthew 25 and, and uh, verse 41 is the path of the broad way, the one that leads to destruction. Who are on those paths? People who have sin in their life. People who are not Christians. People who have not been baptized and truly repented and confessed His name and put Christ on in baptism. They're on that path. Those who are a little bitty, we understand, are safe because they don't understand sin. They are not the age of accountability. But those who are at the age of accountability who know right from wrong, they're on that path. And those who have sinned. Now go on to verse 46 in that same chapter. We're going to read about the other path. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. Okay, referencing back to this broad path. But notice the very end. But the righteous, those who are on the narrow path, those who have been faithful, those who have, have suffered, and those who have for the cause of Christ and, and continue to be faithful, who put God first in their life, the righteous into life eternal, meaning heaven. So this morning, it is very easily to say, every person in this building is on one or the other path. This morning, I ask you the question, what path are you traveling on today? The path that you are traveling on today, do you find yourself living for the Lord and putting God first and everything in your life and being on that narrow path? Or are you on the broad path that says, well, I, I can just live how I want to. I can be as faithful as I want to. I can do things my way. And are you on the path to hell? You see, this morning, <clears throat> let me offer you this. One cannot reasonably believe in Jesus while refusing to believe in the existence of heaven and hell. You see, we live in a society today that most people think, and we're going to talk about it just in a minute, that everybody's going to heaven and that God is not a God that's going to punish you He's not going to take and send you to that terrible place. These preachers for the last hundred years and, and way, way on beyond that have, have it wrong. 
God is a loving God. And you know what? They're right. But he's also a just God. And he is a God that's not going to reward someone who does not care for him or does not put him first or someone who is living in sin or someone who refuses to be baptized for the remission of their sins. He's not going to save you in the end and just say, oh, just because you didn't do these things, you're a pretty good old guy, pretty good old gal, I'm going to let you anyway. You see, that's not how it works. But people today believe that. Thought number two. Most people are traveling on the wrong path. We've made that assumption already, hadn't we? There's going to be many that find hell. You see, this was true in the days of Noah. Go to your, go to your Bibles in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. <laughs> Notice with me there. And the Bible reads, now we know God has created everything. The world has progressed and reproduced and reproduced and reproduced. And the world has become evil. Verse 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You see, there were people in in Noah's time that were traveling on, on, on on the wrong path, on the broad path. You remember the story, only what? Eight souls were saved. Out of the whole world at that time, only eight people were saved. You see, it puts even more emphasis on our paths this morning. Many that are on the broad way, few that are on the narrow way. You see, throughout the history of mankind, the saved and the righteousness, or the righteous, have been the minority. And folks, we're living in a world that we're continuing to be the minority. We will more than likely be the minority when our Lord comes back. Because the scriptures don't lie. There will be a few that find it. But in Noah's time, the people were wicked. There was vast wickedness. But what about if you go on over in the book of Genesis, in chapter 19, and you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, that terrible place. Genesis 19 and 32 and 33, notice what the Bible says. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in, lay with her father, and perceived. Notice what was in this world. Notice what was going on. 
We have a lot of that going on today, don't we? we when we think about Sodom and Gomorrah, we think about mostly about homosexuality, don't we? But we had people who were lying, daughters lying with their fathers. To get their way. You see, this was true of Israel throughout the Old Testament. But you remember there was a small remnant, wasn't there? There was a small group, a few, that served God. Remember in the days of Elijah when he had the great victory on Mount Carmel and then Jezebel pursued his life. And he went through a great depression thinking, I'm the only one. Nobody else is with me, God. And God reminds him, you're not. But it was a small group. Jesus' teaching stands in direct contradiction. Let me introduce you to a word. Universalism. This is the idea that ultimately everyone will make it to heaven and be saved. That's where we are in the world. You're saying, Brother Matthew, you're telling me that's where we are? Yes, we are. That's exactly where we are. There are, a lot, there, there are probably people in this assembly today who believe in this universalism. They believe, especially our younger generations that are coming up. They're coming up with a thought, uh, thinking that we can't condemn someone. It's not, it's not politically correct to condemn someone and to speak against someone because everybody's equal. Well, let me tell you. Let me burst your bubble. That's not how it is. Not everybody is equal. Not everybody is equal in the amount of money that we make. Some choose not to work as much as others. They don't have as much money, but they expect much that much money. Some people want a big fine house, and they want this and they want that, but they don't want to do the things that they need to get it. But everybody wants to go to heaven, but guess what? They don't want to do the things they need to do to go to heaven. You see, universalism is not taught in the Bible. Our Lord's teaching is in direct contradiction to that and the opposite of that. He says not everybody's going to heaven. Only a few are going to heaven. And this morning I ask you, are you in the few? Or are you in the many that's leading to the road? And the, the narrow way or the broad way to destruction. You see, while this is not what God desires, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, who will have all men, what? To be saved? Yeah. And to come to the knowledge of the truth, God wants everybody to be saved. He wants everybody to go go to heaven. But you know, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. There are some people who are going to be so stubborn-headed 
and so hard-headed, as my grandma used to call me, that they will refuse Jesus Christ and his blood until the day that they slip into eternity forever. That's how it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you and say, oh yes, everybody will go to heaven because everybody's not going to go. I've told you time and time again from this pulpit that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. If we are not prepared, we can't go. It's not like everything else in this world. We can just show up when we want to. And we can just be today what we want to be and be something else tomorrow. That's how the world teaches it. In my study for camp in critical identity and gender crisis in America, they have gender fluidity. And in that fluidity, it's whatever they feel today. I can identify with whatever I feel today. You see, a lot of people, and I call that a chameleon, chameleon Christianship. <laughs> you just fit in with the environment. Whatever I want to be today is what I'm going to be. Whatever I want to be tomorrow, whatever the situation calls for, that's what I'm going to be. Tomorrow, if it calls for me to curse and to get mad and lose my temper and act like a whatever, that's what I'm going to do. If it calls for me to be a Christian because I'm around Christian people on the Lord's day, that's what I'm going to do. You see, but that's not how it works. Jesus says you've got to be one or the other. You've got to be on one path or the other. Which one are you on today? In spite of it, this verse everybody in the world knows just about it. John chapter 3. In verse 16. In spite of God's love for the world that he gave his only begotten son, people still reject Jesus. In spite of that. Because God, God didn't want everybody to go to hell. He wants everyone to repent. 2 Peter 3 and 9. He wants everyone to repent. Point number three, here's the good news. God allows you this morning, sitting here in this audience, God allows you and me to choose. God gave us the ability to choose and it's part of being made in his image, Genesis chapter 1, and verses 26 and 27. Let us make man in our image. God made us in his image. We have the, the, the makeup in our brains and in our bodies and our souls and our spirits to choose. We have a choice. That's the good news. You have a choice. This morning, you have a choice to what path you are on.
When you go back to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13, <coughs> notice that word with me when it says that what the passage begins with, the very first word, underline it, score it, enter. That word enter implies the ability to choose. So we could say this morning, choose you the gate. Choose the wide one. Choose the narrow one. It's your choice. Because God created us in His image. We are free moral agents. You have a choice to make. You take, for instance, this morning, I can invite you to my house but you will never come to my house until you what? Choose to come to my house. I can invite you day in and day out and day in and day out for the next hundred years. But you never will come to my house until you choose to come to my house. You will never come to the love of Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ until you choose to do that. You have to make a choice. You have to say, I'm going to put everything aside and I'm going to Matthew Scoggins' house. Same thing in Christianity in the past that we're on this morning. I've got to put everything aside and I've got to make a choice. Because I'm going to tell you, those things that we fail to put aside hinder us. They hinder us from making that choice. You see, the scripture suggests to us this morning that we choose our spiritual path, verses 13 and 14 that we read. Now you go on down in Matthew chapter 7 there in verses 15 through 20. You choose who to hear. Notice what it says. We're talking about choices this morning. Beware of the false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but anyone of they are ravening wolves, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. It continues on down through verse 20. For whereby their fruits, what? You shall know them. You see, this morning, we can look around and I know what path you are on. You may think and make you say, well, I, I'm at church today, so I, I'm, I'm on the right path. You are, you're, you're old, you still ain't on the right path. You come to church every time the door is open and not be on the right path. But see, we have the ability to look around and see your choices. Every person here can look to your right and left and front and behind and, and, and knowing these people like we do. We're very close here in this community, in this county. We know everything about everybody. We know who your mom and daddy was. We know who your, your second, first, third cousin was and double first cousins. And, and we know all these things about you. You don't think we know, don't know what path you're on? 
I know exactly what path you're on. The elders know what path you're on. Your spouse knows what path you're on. Your children know what path you're on. Because all you've got to do is look around and notice. You'll know them by what? Their fruits. What kind of fruits are you producing this morning? Are they fruits that represent the narrow path, the path of Christianity? Or is it the fruits of the broad path that says, oh, I'm just going to do it my way? You see, this scripture this morning says we're on a spiritual path. We choose who to hear. 15 through 20 talks about the false prophets. We've got a lot of people, those who are brought up in the Lord's church, who are listening to the false prophets up in Cookville. And they're being taken away from the Lord's church for a couple reasons. Sometimes it goes back to parenting. Sometimes it goes back to their own personal choice. I know parents who brought children to church every time the doors was open and they've left the church. But they're listening to false prophets. Not only in that, we go on in, in that same chapter, in verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth what? The will of my Father which is in heaven. You see, we got to do something. To be on one of these paths, we have to do something. We can't just show up and say, look what path I'm on today. You see, it's kind of like that Gender fluidity. Whatever I feel like. Whatever I want to be today. You see a lot of people show up to church and say, I want to be a Christian today. But after they leave this morning, I want to be like the world the rest of the week. That's not what God and our Lord is saying. And you go on in that chapter... And you see the foundation to build upon. It likens it to a man that was a wise man who built his foundation upon the rock. And it compares it to a foolish man. You know the song, the wise man built his house upon the rock. What foundation are you building upon? When the winds and the rains and the storms come, Will you go splat like the foolish man? Or will you stand strong like the wise man? Last but not least, we can know our current path. This morning, you can know. Verse 21 of our text. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven... But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. This morning, I don't have to tell you. Nobody next to you has to tell you. Our elders don't have to come and meet with you. You know this morning what path you're on. 
You've heard the preaching. You've heard the teaching. You've been brought up. You know where you are right now. I don't have to tell you. I don't have to call you out individually. You know where you are. God knows where you are. Are you keeping the Father's commandments? Are you doing His will? In the book of 1 John, in chapter 1, or chapter 2 rather, excuse me, in verse 3, and hereby we do know that we know Him if we what? Keep His commandments. This morning, you know you can live with confidence this morning regarding your salvation. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 where the Bible reads and says to us, These things I have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have what? Eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You can know this morning what path you're on. You can know where you're headed this morning. Which path are you on right now? If it's the wrong one, choose to make a detour. Choose to make a detour right now. I've been on the wrong path way too long. I've been away from God way too long. It's time for me to get serious about being a Christian. It's time for me to get serious about going to heaven. What path are you on this morning? Please come. Together we stand as we sing.